right. Welcome to another episode of MBAs Unplugged. I'm your host, John Ford. Uh, I am here with Gabriella Carvalho of the class of 2023. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us. We actually had the pleasure of getting to know each other before the episode. I think you're the first first year that I actually knew before I interviewed him on the show because we were on a team together in uh, business of, what is it? Entrepreneurship and entertainment was the name of the class? Correct. Entrepreneurship in media or something with Sherry Sugarman? Uh, entrepreneurship in the media entertainment industry. I whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. the last <laughs> name was, which was a fun class and people should register for it if they have a chance when they register for spring. It's a good class. Um, so let's get to know you a little bit. You are originally from Brazil. Correct. Uh, thanks so much for having me today, John. It's a pleasure to be here. I used to listen to this podcast, uh, even before I came to Marshall. So it is a twist to be here today. Um, yes. So as you're mentioning, I'm born and raised in Brazil. Uh, I came to the U.S., uh, not the first time because I used to uh, uh, come to visit here a lot, but first time to live here last July. And yes, yeah, so um, it was a funny story because I was supposed to be in your class, class 2022, but then COVID happened and my husband and I, we, we are in the same program. Um, we decided to defer uh, our uh, beginning. So here I am one, one year later. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into the pandemic delay of your, your start at USC, something I think probably a lot of my classmates, if you put them on some truth serum, would tell you that they wish they could have delayed and, and been in person the whole time through. So some of them are going to be jealous and yeah. they will not understand the pain in the ass of actually having to delay your schooling the whole year. Um, the grass is always greener. That's true. That's true. But then, um, so yeah, I born and raised in Brazil. I actually uh, was born in a small town in the countryside of Brazil with around 20,000 inhabitants. So uh, it's like a village. Uh, my family is still there. Uh, but then uh, my dad and mom, they are dentists, so I chose a pretty different career than them. Uh, but they decided to go to a larger uh, city to get me exposed to better education and employment options. So I uh, went to live in Campinas when I was uh, four. And uh, I spent my whole childhood there. Um, leaving with them, but before like, we go to before we go to Campinas, what was the name of the small town? Carmo do Rio Claro. Uh, thank you so much for letting me letting me highlight that. I'm gonna send you the link of the podcast to them. They're gonna be happy. <laughs> uh, how do you spell it? I'm gonna look up the this town and see where it is in Brazil because Brazil yeah. is a huge place. So Hell yes, it's uh, C A R M O. That's the first word. Then mm -hmm. different word, word, R, I, O, different word again, D, O, another word, C, L, A, R. I can, I can put it in the chat. You can. Oh, I got it. You got it? Just barely. 
People are probably listening to the clickety clack <laughs> of my keyboard as I type this into Google Maps. Yeah, it's it's in a different state. It's a Minas Gerais state. Okay. It's close so this to is what is this like an hour and a half, two hours from Rio and mm-hmm. Sao Paulo? No, it's actually five hours from Sao Paulo. Ah, a big drive. Yeah, I've been done doing this this route uh, since I was born, basically. <laughs> That's interesting. This is a, what was life like in small town Brazil? Because I think people who've been to Brazil, a lot of yes. them have been to Rio. They've been to the bigger cities. Maybe they've gone into the Amazon and done the tourist thing in the Amazon. I haven't have been to no... the Amazon. What's that? I haven't been to the Amazon quite yet. It's, it's just a big trip to go there. You need like plane, boat, car. It's hard. <laughs> well, yeah. Like to, to get there from where you are, it's like going to the East coast of the United States from California. You got to like fly to a whole other city and then do a whole bunch of other stuff to get out there. That's true. That's true. Um, but people are like, they're familiar with big cities. They're familiar with the Amazon. They probably have no idea what life is like in small towns in the interior, which is where a lot of the people in Brazil actually live. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I don't actually remember how he's living there, but as I said, my family, my like, m- big majority of my family is still there. So I can visit uh, very often. So it's a different life. It's, it's a good life. Um, you always always together, like uh, my house, uh, it's always unlocked. So my cousins, my uncles, aunts, they all just come and enter the house without, without knocking. Uh, it's, it's a different vibe. You always together with someone, you never feel alone. Uh, but the life is it's a little boring. If you like like this urban part of the life uh, there's nothing much to do there's no movie theaters there's no uh, entertainment uh, the the entertainment part of it is to get drinks with friends and family in a local bar <laughs> that's right it. but it's it's great I love to go there I miss it so much because I used to go at least once a month to visit them uh, the food is spectacular I miss it so much and I have a big family even though I'm an only child um, I grew up with many cousins like super close I even call them brothers and sisters so I miss this being part of a big family and always hanging out together and you know doing stuff together yeah I, this is my this is the by far the biggest challenge to be here. There's a there's a movie, Death Becomes Her, which I really enjoy. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I, I, I don't think so. But oh God, I, it's funny. Yeah. But there, there's this scene where uh it stars Bruce Willis, Meryl Streep, and Goldie Hahn. And Bruce Willis and Meryl Streep are an unhappy married couple, and they they murder Goldie Hawn, who right. is Meryl Streep's frenemy right. in the movie. And they're talking about where to put the body. And, and Bruce Willis is like, <laughs> well, what if the neighbor's here? And Meryl, Streep go- Meryl Streep goes, in 15 years in Los Angeles, have you ever once seen a neighbor? 
Man, that is so true. That is so true. I haven't in eight, nine months, I haven't met any neighbors myself. So <laughs> it's so different. No. And my grandma, You know how you meet your neighbors? You have a plumbing leak. Oh, that's true. That's how you meet a neighbor is one of you has a plumbing leak. That's a good way to meet them. Or not, not to, exactly strong bonds of community. Or do you need to water their plants? They might ask you in the right. elevator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a that's been a tough transition. Are you interested in going back to Brazil after you graduate? So uh, I don't know yet. Um, okay. I may I told you that my husband is also here with me. Uh, we are living basically the same life and the same struggles. So uh, we like the life here a lot, uh, especially employment options are, it's not comparable, you know? So as long as my career is my focus, uh, we want to stay. Of course, it will depend on the visa situation. I can definitely talk more about it uh, as we go. But uh, for now, our focus is our, our careers. We want to do something meaningful uh, with our career. So we're definitely going to stay here as, as long as this is uh, the goal. Okay. Um, you see, so you grew up in Brazil. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the university system in Brazil, because you went yeah. to college, undergraduate college in Correct. Brazil. Yes. At, am I saying this right? Universidade Estadua de Campinas. Was I close? Close, close enough. You can you can go short. Uh, it's a huge name, so you can say Unicampi. Okay, Unicampi. Yes, perfect. All right. Where is Unicampi? Is it's in Campinas, right? Yes. So right. my parents moved to Campinas, and I went with them. Uh, I spent all my childhood there. Uh, I think Campinas has three million millions of inhabitants uh, around that ish. Uh, so larger city, uh, there's this amazing school. I, I, I think it's the second best school, uh, in Latin America, uh, but it's a public school. So it's very different from the U S it's basically the opposite. So, uh, before college, the best schools are, are private schools. Uh, you spend a lot of money and you go to the best schools and then you prep to basically a SAT, but it happens happens once a year. So you have to score really high to get into the best schools, the best undergrad schools, college. Uh, and the college, the best ones are public, which is kind of funny and unfair because uh, until 18 years old, if you don't have money, you're not you you basically can't get a good education because you have to go to public schools. And then you go to college when you're supposed to pay a lot of money from your parents' uh, savings, right? But then the best students who paid a lot of money to get better education, they go to a public school, uh, which are the best in the country. So it's it's kind of twisted and unfair in my opinion but mm-hmm. it is what it is <laughs> what would a better system be you think it's unfair what would if you could make one reform what would the reform you would make be i guess the the 
United States system, it's one of the best ones because you have time to raise your kid and put savings uh, into your account and uh, you don't have to pay for your children's education until college, right? Which is like the basic education that every human being should have access to, right? Uh, and then if you are able to, if your son or if your children thrive, they can go to a good college and you can do student loans. But I mean, the basic education and which is like fundamental to raise uh, any uh, person <laughs> should be free and accessible. And in Brazil, it's not. So yeah. I guess it's the other way around. And so the, the filtering of life outcomes in Brazil really kind of starts when you're 13 or 14, based on yeah. whether your parents can send you to a good high school. That's true. And even before, right? Because you're learning basic math and physics. And, and again, you have one shot per year to do an SAT. And each, each college has one SAT. So it's not one to the whole country. Uh, now, now it's uh, a little different because you, you do an SAT, which is called Enem in Brazil, uh, which gives you access to those public schools. But uh, back in my day, it used to be one uh, test per school. So in our prep year, which is last year of high school, um, I did, I think, more than 20 tests because I was applying for different schools uh, and it was rough. And again, you have one shot per year. If, you didn't, if you're not approved, you need to wait for another year to do the test again. So it's hard. That's, br that's brutal. Because in the US, right, you can just retake the SATs. Nobody no. even bats an eye. Yeah. You know, and you, get a, you get a migraine the day of. Yeah. And all of a sudden your, your life is ruined because you didn't get into college and you That's can't, true. you got to wait another year because you got a migraine. Yes. It, and it happened, happened to me. So um, I, did, I wasn't approved in any good schools. I was approved for one uh, private school in college that my father couldn't afford. Um, and I basically couldn't pay the tuition. So I needed, I need to prep for one more year after high school graduation to get into a good public school. Yeah. So I, I, I was living in Campinas. I had to move, move to Sao Paulo, the largest city in Brazil, uh, live there by myself for one year um, and to, to go to a very good prep school there. It was the best in the country. Uh, and then I uh, gladly, I, I was accepted at Unicampi. So I just came back to live with my parents uh, because Unicampi was in the same city. Yeah, I was going to ask about life as a college student in Brazil, right? Because the stereotype in the United States is you go off to college, you live in a dorm. It's this like beer soaked adventure. <laughs> what is the what is the daily life of college like in Brazil? And is the orientation towards academics or towards socializing? Because I think in the US, it's very heavily towards socializing. I can say that is very similar <laughs> in Brazil, <laughs> even worse, uh, worse in a good way. Right. Um, but 
it's also with one caveat that is very different, like the private school, which you're paying a lot of money to go to, right? Uh, yeah. And the public school that you don't pay anything, your commitment is different. So in a private school, uh, your parents basically make you study a lot and, you know, commit to the school academics and everything. Uh, in a public school, you can you can study, of course, if you want, but you're just a kid. I, I was just a kid in my time and I was desperate to get a good social life. And in Unicampi, this was a big thing. Uh, so social life, it was amazing. So I met my forever in life friends. I met my husband. Uh, so for me, like 80% was social life. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> because I didn't learn much. <laughs> Uh, thank you for setting up an actual professional radio transition for me, which I very rarely do. But speaking of social life, we're coming up on graduation, but there's still one opportunity before graduation yes. to be together with your classmates. It is the C4C prom and it's time to hype it. Uh, your C4C leadership have put together a wonderful event as they've done all year, just event after event. They are putting together a C4C prom Saturday, 8 p.m. Uh, on the 7th of May, which is five days after this episode should air. I think we're coming out with this episode on May 2nd. So it's five days from the air date of this episode at the Eden Condensed on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, dress fancy. It's sort of fancy, formal, formal-ish. Uh, you are allowed to wear something else because there's no dress code, but don't be the person who was a jerk and wore jean shorts to the c for c prom uh we'll see you there for one last hurrah uh before we graduate all right back to our guest. uh i want to do some fun questions with you all right i'm ready <laughs> all right and because you have only ish listened to the episodes from last year with fej yes. um you you are going to be totally surprised by these questions you don't even know what they are you don't even know what's coming your way Oh my god! How nervous are you? Oh my god! Oh, I I take it back. I'm not. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice, Joe. Be nice. <laughs> All right. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? I know you love movies because we were in a media class together. So, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Oh my god, Cloverfield, definitely. Really? <laughs> I oh my god! I remember my uncle rented in the blockbuster and. He made me watch three times. <laughs> it was so bad, so bad. That was what? like 2002, three, something like that. Yeah. What was so bad about it? I've heard people liked it. They made a sort of sequel, Cloverfield Lane, right? Isn't that sort of a sequel? Everything now you can make a sequel of it. Uh, it's fantastic. But I don't remember the actual movie, but I something that really stood out was the uh, special effects, like terrible, terrible. And there's no storyline at all. It's just like aliens and things happening in the screen. And it's just like so confusing. I hate it. <laughs> well, you just said you can make a sequel of anything. I think that you've you've come up with a fantastic idea for a fun game for the podcast for next year 
which is I give you a movie and we see if you can come up with an idea for a sequel. Wow. Uh, but that, that would take, could take a while to the person to. Oh yeah. Go. We'd have to give it to them. We'd, we'd have to give yes. it to them in advance to make sure that they've actually seen the movie, but like yeah. sequel to terms of endearment go. That's a good question. I love it. And just, and just watch them. Like I have no freaking idea. That's even a good question for an interview. Oh yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Like that you're, you're Sony or you're Paramount. Yeah, uh, give me a give me a sequel to the English Patient. You've got yeah, five minutes to come up with it. Yellowstone sequel and prequel go. <laughs> yeah, but I like the idea of coming up with ludicrous movies that very obviously do not invite a sequel. Like, give me a sequel to Citizen Kane. What happens after he says Rosebud? That's that's a hard one. Don't do it. <laughs> um, all right. What's a what's a kind of music you like that you're embarrassed to like? Embarrassed to like? Oh man, that's funny. Can be a Brazilian music. Can be whatever you, you want that you don't know, but it's called axé. So when I was young, like teenager, very bitter teenager, I love to go to Micaritas, which is like basically a party where the music, uh, it's only a shed. So it's kind of embarrassing. It's a, it's a sketchy party. <laughs> okay. Um, what's it most similar to that people in the U.S. might be familiar with? Uh, oh, man. Is it similar it to be, anything or is it just completely um, different? Yeah, it could be... Hegeton, you know Hegeton? No. Nope. It's it's like the Latino song, similar. Okay. But All right. yeah, no, no US equivalent. Sorry. <laughs> it, well, it, you're embarrassed to like it, so there must be a lot of people who think it's bad. <laughs> Definitely. Or maybe they they all think it's good, but they're just embarrassed by the aesthetic associations. Yes. Be. Um, all right. What's the last book you read? Not for the MBA program. Oh my God. That uh, I don't I, know why I keep adding that last part, not for the MBA program. Nobody does the readings in this program. Nobody. No one. Especially a book, like the whole book. Oh no, God no. <laughs> I remember you've done all you did your operations class with Marat. Yes, I did. Did you read the goal? No. I so, read the slides only. <laughs> so he assigned a book. I don't know if he assigned it this year. It's a book called The Goal. And it's actually an interesting book. It's like a graphic novel. Uh-huh. And um, it's about operations. It's this factory manager whose factory's all messed up. Right. And in the book, The Goal, he meets his college professor who becomes a mentor who teaches him to fix the factory. And you're supposed to learn about operations and bottlenecks and all this stuff. Oh, man. And the professor is like, your problem is you don't understand that the goal of the factory is to produce profits. And I read the goal before we started class. I read it over Christmas break. I read the whole book. I think I'm the only person who read the whole book. And we show up on the first day of class and Marat's like, what's the ultimate goal of operations? And I raised my digital hand on Zoom and I was like, to produce profits. And he was like, you read the goal, huh? I know that's what that says, but it's actually to create shareholder value. 
No, my God. And the goal was never mentioned again for the entire class. And that was the last book you read, I hopefully. <laughs> no, but that's that's what it, what it gets you to read the book in class at this school, is it will be mentioned once when the professor's like, actually, the book is wrong. This is right. Actually, I changed the syllabus. <laughs> Lesson, nobody do the readings. There's no point. <laughs> Oh my God, hopefully no one that it's still coming to the NBA would listen to this, John. If I, if, I don't, if I don't get fired for the Vegas movie draft that is dropping five days or four days from when we're recording this, then I will get fired for telling people, <laughs> do not do the readings in your classes. It's a waste of time. Let's cut this part. Let's cut this Speak, part. Speaking as someone who did like all the readings, I regret <laughs> it terribly. Oh my God, yeah. I, I did in the term one and two maybe and then i gave up we are in term five people um <laughs> all right so what was the last book you read not for the mba program uh i read the uh, michelle obama bio loved it excellent yeah she's she's a role model definitely i love it and you would recommend it oh yeah absolutely all right favorite place you've been uh, Can I say Brazil? But that that's a biased answer just because I miss it so much. But you can absolutely say it. <laughs> if I, it's the answer to your favorite place you've been, then yeah. Yeah, no, Brazil is my favorite place in the whole world, definitely. <laughs> What's your favorite place you want to go? And is there a for favorite place you've been, is there a particular place in Brazil that stands out? Not for tourism, though. My favorite place in Brazil is my grandma's house. But, oh, wonderful. What yes. a great answer. <laughs> but for tourism, uh, I would recommend Jericoacoara, which is in the northeast of Brazil. Beautiful beach. Beautiful, beautiful beach. But your grandma does not take tourists. She does not run an Airbnb where you she can like. Doesn't. She should. She should. because Where you can get the Brazil family experience from Gabriela's yeah. grandma. And her food is great. So she definitely should be a Airbnb host. <laughs> All right. Favorite place you want to go? Favorite place I want to go. And you have not been? Um, Germany. Okay. Why Germany? Uh, just because of the culture, I think. I, I've been to Czech Republic, which is pretty close, but uh, I haven't been to Germany yet. And I really want to. Any particular place in Germany? Oh, can I change my answer? Oh, sure. Spain. I have a okay. been to Spain. And I, so my last, my family is from Spain. Uh, the Villela family. There's a small village in Spain that I really want to uh, meet. Uh, it's uh, my last name is, uh, one of my last names because I have three last names. So one of them is from Villela, a little town in Spain. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about your work experience before coming to the MBA program and what you were doing before you came back to school. Yeah, let's uh, do it. you worked mainly in finance, right? Right. That's All right. right. What did you do right out of college? So right out of college, I, as I mentioned, I didn't had I didn't study a lot, so I knew that I needed to do like a very good internship to actually. Uh, learn stuff. 
so I started at HSBC uh, in uh, equity research in the South Side area. Great school, best one. It was, uh, oh my God, I learned so much. Uh, I worked. So in Brazil, you interns can work whatever they want. <laughs> so I basically worked for 12, 10, 12 hours every day in Sao Paulo. And I had to commute to um, uh, Campinas to like actually watch classes and final presentations and tests and stuff. Uh, so it was a hard year. I did it. For one year, uh, it was pretty hard, but I've learned so much. Uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, but then the HSBC bank got uh, bought by uh, the largest Brazilian bank called Bradesco. So all the uh, recruitment and everything was frozen because of this deal. Uh, so I went to S&P uh, Global uh, to do credit analysis. Uh, so I basically was building the ratings of companies and, and banks as well. Also great school. Uh, I love the culture there. Um, you learn, I learned so much about accounting, about risk assessment and finance too. Uh, and that those two internships really uh, created a backbone, a finance backbone uh, in my background, and it is useful until today. Um, so I'm very grateful for it. And then uh, before I, we before we move on, I want to focus on the S and P piece because that's so interesting. Because what S and P does and what Fitch and Moody's do and doing these ratings, it's very high level financial analysis, and it's sort of it's done at such a high level that many others will just take whatever S&P says for granted. That is true. And what, and what you guys are doing is kind of a building block for the whole global financial system. It's like everybody is leaning on you a little bit. That is so true, John. Um, I just, just want to add, so we basically, we cover every industries. So we have like, little pods that focus on oil and gas, petrochemical, pulp and paper. But uh, since this is a lot of knowledge that you have to have, as you mentioned, we are like the baseline for the financial system. So we deal with a lot of uh, confidential information. So we are basically, our source is basically the CFO of Petrobras, you know, so it's a privilege to have this kind of access because they want us to have the, the largest amount of information that we can and, and an accurate information, you know? So uh, even though it's a very high level analysis, we, uh, we have the best information that we can. So the, the asymmetry of information is very low with rating agencies because the high management of the companies, they wanted the ratings to have the best and accurate information that we possibly can to reflect on their, their ratings. And our job is to make sure this information makes sense and to reflect that in the uh, best rating outcome uh, 
uh, for the investors, right? So we deal with a lot of conflicts uh, because we wanted to inform the investors, but at the same time, uh, the companies, they don't like when we downgrade their ratings, right? So it, it, it was a great school for me. I, I honestly uh, don't know how to deal uh, with so much conflict at the same time. Uh, it was hard. Did you ever feel like the companies that are providing information were trying to sort of spin you or manipulate the rating by, by sort of selecting only the best information and maybe trying to hide bad information about their company? Boy, all the time, all the time. So our we had two kinds of customers, right? We had the investors, which uh, who were like the end uh, goal of, of our analysis. We wanted to provide them the best accurate information. Uh, but also we are dealing with the companies, which uh, were trying all the time to hide information, to uh, make the information beautiful and you know, high margins and, you know, our company has the best management, the best corporate governance and stuff. So we had to build a relationship with them and make them trust us. And how do you do that? Great question, Joe. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you, you have to learn how to earn their trust and say, hey, we are smart too. So if you're going to lie to us, we're going to know as soon as you release this public information in three months, and then your rate is going to be downgraded uh, either way. So let's try to figure out how to best uh, input this information in yeah. our analysis as soon as we can. All right. So after S&P, where'd you go? After Actually, S during S&P was the next interesting job, right? It was like a yes. night project you worked on? Correct. So since young age, I'm... So, uh, so while, while serving as the foundation of the global financial system, you were also doing a side <laughs> job. I was. Um, it was a three months uh, after work job. I, so I have a very good friend who is a, the CFO of uh, the second largest film distributor in Brazil. And uh, we went to the same undergrad. So that's how we knew each other. And he um, kind of asked me my help to uh, spearhead a M&A deal between uh, the largest film distributor in Argentina and the second largest in Brazil. Uh, which back then wasn't the second largest, but after the m &A was finalized, uh, I, I helped to create this second largest dis film distributor in Brazil, which is called Galeria Filmes. And uh, since young age, I'm, I'm passionate about the entertainment industry. Um, but unfortunately, I, I didn't have the opportunity to do a film school in Brazil. The employment there is, is, is still very limited. Uh, and since I come from a humble family, I didn't want to worry them about my future. So I ended up choosing uh, economics for my undergrad. Uh, but this was a very good experience because it was my click moment, you know, when I realized that I could uh, still work in the entertainment industry, but using my finance. Uh, experience and knowledge uh, to kind of 
uh, helped foster the industry in Brazil, which made me really happy. It was a great experience. So explain this to the listeners, because I think some of them who've, who've taken some of the entertainment classes or are interested in recruiting for it understand this. But I think for a lot of people, you know, and this is a huge business in Los Angeles, media and entertainment. And yet I think a lot of people have big gaps in their understanding of, mm-hmm. of the film business. So explain to people what a distributor actually does, because I think to a lot of people, there is a studio that makes a movie and then there's a theater that shows a movie. Yeah. And I guess like the theater mails a reel to the theater yeah. and the theater shows it, mm-hmm. but like, it's very hazy how any of that works or, or it why it would be a huge business right. to be the distributor. Right. Yeah. Basically um, I think the easiest way to explain that is to uh, the distributor is in my mind, like the liaison between the production, the creative and you know, how to make money with that content. So basically you have the production company uh, that made a lot of content and and they decide which content they made. And then comes the distributor and basically value this content and distribute to theaters and home entertainment and streaming services right now. Some stream servers have their own production companies, but basically those deals are made through the the distributor which is kind of a big deal yeah and and in the us a lot of the distribution is handled by studios but yes um if you're an independent filmmaker you've got to like hire some whole other company sometimes a studio and sometimes not to get your movie in a theater yes that's true and in brazil especially that we don't have huge studios it's mainly independent. So the backbone of the industry relies on the distributor. So the distributor will basically decide which content are going to be produced and uh, distributor uh, to uh, the audience. That's, That's the thing. Do you have any maybe great Brazilian films that you can recommend to podcast listeners can check out? Oh my God. Yeah. So first of one, I think that's the famous one, uh, City of God. Uh, but my favorite uh, is Central, Central do Brasil. Let me get the uh, English name. Central Station. This is my mm. very favorite one. I love it. It's with Fernanda Montenegro. She's been nominated to the Academy once with this film. Excellent. She, she didn't win, which is a bummer. <laughs> well, maybe next time. Yeah. All right. So after S and P, what what'd you do? What'd you go do? Then after, uh, so S and P was a great experience. I was working there for three years, but it's it was very hard to um, be promoted and get more responsibility. It's a huge corporation, so. Basically, this, the decisions are from top down and top is very like top US, right? So they weren't seeing my job in Brazil. So it was very hard to get promoted and I was getting a little anxious. So I thought about going back to the equity side of it because I was doing credit analysis and I loved to, uh, the, the equity analysis part of the job. 
but I didn't want to do sell side, which is basically more commercial. And I didn't want to do that. So I came back to the equity research, uh, but in the buy side area. So I went uh, to Trigono Capital, which was a very um, small asset management in Brazil by then. Uh, I was the first uh uh, I was the first employee other than founder partners that they, hi they hired by then. So I basically helped them to uh, grow the asset management from ground up, which was a great experience too, because uh, aside from the equity and analysis and the financial part of it, I was also uh, involved in the corporate side. So helping with marketing strategy, helping with uh, cash flow management of the firm. So it was very interesting to know how a newborn uh, company is uh, made. So uh, it was a great experience as well. Is that an industry that you have some, some interest in going back into? Financial service? Yeah. Maybe. I, I'm on the uh, philosophy that you never say never to opportunities. You never close the door. Uh, but I don't think I told you, John, but I finally got an internship. Uh, okay. For this, for this summer. Well, let's save it because we're we're about to go to the Marshall experience. All right. We can we can uh, save that. Uh, I'll make a note to cover the internship. Perfect. But I, I wanted right. to I wanted to go to entertainment. That's my my goal here. But we can definitely discuss within Marshall umbrella. <laughs> we'll we'll do a little tease for later in the show when we get to your experience at Marshall. But first, it's time to play a game. Oh man. The game is called. Family Feud. All right. So, do you have any idea how Family Feud works? I I know I don't know what to expect. Should I be okay. nervous? <laughs> Family Feud is a popular game show in the United States. It's been on the air for decades. Uh, it is currently hosted by comedian Steve Harvey, and the basic idea is you get two families on the game show and they compete against each other for money and prizes. And the game is we sent a surveyor to a shopping mall somewhere in America and we surveyed 100 people. And we asked them a question and whatever their survey responses are, those are the answers up on the board. And you try to guess what the American people answered to this survey question. Oh my God. All right. And Americans are quite crazy. And if you listen to <laughs> if you listen to our last four or five episodes, we play Family Feud. And I will let you know, no one has won Family Feud yet. So the way it works is you try to guess all the answers that Americans said in response to this question. You get three strikes, three strikes and you're out. So you get you get a couple wrong guesses before the game's over. But no one has been able to guess all the answers on the board. Okay. So if you do it, you will be the first. Oh, man. Okay. Um, and there's a twist today. Right. Because this game of Family Feud, I took the questions from, uh, not from the American version of Family Feud. We're going to get even more international. We're going to go to the exotic land of Canada. 
<laughs> for our for our family feud questions and answers. And so uh, we are going to do a Canadian family feud. So this is what 100 Canadians said in response to a survey question on Canadian family feud. Let's see if you can guess it. So the survey question is, mm-hmm. name an occupation that is truly Canadian. There are six, there are six answers on the board. Okay. So if, if only one person in the survey said it, it doesn't make it onto the board. So at least two people said all of these answers. There are six answers on the board. So it's like the six most Canadian jobs. All right. So let's see if you can guess the, the six jobs that Canadians said were quintessentially Canadian. I'll let you right. think about it for a second. If you got questions about the rules, we can clarify the rules. You're not no, allowed I, to Google the answer. I'm not. I, I'm not. I, I'm just. I'm, I'm watching. We're, we're on Zoom to record this and, and she's <laughs> on video. And I suddenly hear a clack of the keyboard <laughs> and I can see reflected in her glasses that the screen of her computer changed. And I'm like, you can't Google the answer. Can it? It's like Canadian family feud. I got to win this thing. Oh my God. So I have, do I need to have the all six at the same time? No, you get one guess at a time. Right. And if you guess wrong, you get a strike, three okay. strikes and you're out. And if you guess right, you get a, a positive ding sound that tells you you got the answer right. Okay. Um, hockey player. All right. Hockey player. That's your first guess. Let's see if hockey player is up on the board. Oh. Hockey player, the number one answer. 29 Canadians said hockey player. They know themselves. What can I say? Oh, so this is a, a right answer. Yeah, you're trying to guess right. what the right. what the survey responses are. What did can what 29, did 100... 29 uh, answered that? Okay. Okay. Yeah, 29 Canadians said hockey player. So Uh, you got five more jobs that Canadians were like, yes, that is a Canadian job. Oh, man. Okay. Um, dentist. As a, a truly Canadian job, we're going with dentist? <laughs> yeah, they care about it. their dents, <laughs> their teeth, too. All right. Canada, known the world over for being peculiarly obsessed with dentistry. Oh. No, um, I guess they've got dentists everywhere. Cook. A cook. Yeah. Uniquely Canadian. Yes. They like the, their bacon, man. There's no <laughs> cooks other places. This is like when I think cooks, I think Canada. Canada. Yes. You don't want to think about something that's like. <laughs> Oh man. I, I don't want you to yeah. use your strikes on just like regular jobs here. Think think Canadian stereotypes. Hockey players perfect. Yes. Um lumberjack. Lumberjack. Do we have lumberjack on the board? There we go. Lumberjack. Number two answer. 15 people said number two. Lumberjack. Yes. It's number two. So you've gotten the number one and two answers. Number one. Man. Which sounds great until you realize that you're now having to guess the more obscure things. I know. <gasps> That's hard. Oh, man. 
Think about uh, G- yes, uh, maybe people uh, who are representative of uh, perhaps Canadian law enforcement, a particular kind of Canadian law enforcement. Police, policemen, but a specific kind of policeman. Uh, um. Oh shit! Oh, what is the name of the? Oh man, um, the forest patrol. You know, I I forgot the the. Tell me what they look like. <laughs> Big beard. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, a red big, coat, right? Or big red coat riding oh, on a horse? Oh, fire, firefighters, firefighters. No, no. Not, not firefighters. That's not what you're looking for. Jesus, John, I, I have no idea. It's it's not the, like the forest patrol, like they go by the lakes and no. <laughs> you you're you're embarrassing me here. They got a, they got a special hat. <laughs> Special hat. I have no yeah. idea. All it's right. Not, it's not firefighters. Do you want to make firefighters one of your guesses? Yes. Firefighters and or forest patrol. Forest patrol. Yes. That that too. <laughs> did you did you mean Mounties? No, I have no idea what. Oh. Is. Okay. Well. You tried. I was trying to give you Mounties. Yeah. <laughs> you tried, John. You tried. Oh, man. I, the number, I, I, can yeah. I Google now what that is? Mounties. You can, yeah, you can Google Mounties. If you recognize the picture, I'll give it to oh, you. Oh, yes. All right. She knows what a Mountie is. Let's give yes. her Mounties. <laughs> oh, interesting. But is that is that like a Canadian police or yeah, it's like the, it's the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So it's like the U.S. Marshals of Canada. Got you. Got you. So I'll give that one to you because um, we're crossing a lot of borders. So I'm going to grade you on the Marshall curve. And I've never been to Canada, so I have also never been to Canada. That's not true. Seriously, I've never been to Canada. Wow. I have more and more. You got yes. three more. And oh, I'm, I'm only giving you the one. I'm not going to give you a strike for, for Mounties. Since we were, we were dancing around it, I'll give it to you. And so you got one strike um, and you got three more jobs on the board. Mm. Okay. Um, banker. Did you say have, banker or baker? Banker. They have money. But is that uniquely Canadian? Dude, I have no idea. You don't let me Google it. Well, yeah, you can't Google the answers. What's the fun <laughs> in that? Mm, don't, I, I have no idea. Um, maybe teachers. But they got yeah. teachers everywhere, right? Like, what does Canada make? A maple syrup. There you go. Let's see. Is maple syrup on the board? Maple syrup. There we are. Maple syrup uh, producers? Yep. Maple wow. syrup producers. Cool. All right. So it's the fifth and sixth answers on the board. 
Mm-hmm. And I will tell you the fifth answer, four people said it. The sixth answer, three people said it. Mm. So we're what getting the, down the list here. What is the first answer? Well, you got to guess it. Uh, and what is the maple syrup producer? Oh, that's four. That was the fourth four. answer. Right. So you've so got one, two, one. three, and four. You're down to answers five and six. Dude, what is the first one? If it's not hockey. First not... one was hockey player. You said it was the second. No, it's number one hockey player, number two lumberjack, number three was Mountie, number four is maple syrup maker. Mm. And so number five and six, we're now at the bottom of the survey. So 29 people said hockey player. That was the number one answer. 15 said lumberjack. That's the number two answer. Number eight or number three answer is Mountie. Eight people said that. Number four answer was maple syrup maker. Seven people said that. And so the fifth answer was four people said, and three people said the sixth answer. So we're down at the, we're down at the bottom here. Oh man. I have no idea. What else do they do? Maple syrup, forests, and hockey. <laughs> That's it. And cold. Okay. Let's, let me think about some. Something to do with the cold. Maybe uh, you got any winter sports besides hockey that might be on the tip of your tongue? Me, per- whoa, yeah, maybe. Um, what is the that winter games? Um, Jesus, what I forgot the name. Um, this the speed the speed car, you know. Bobsled. Bobsled, yeah. All right, show me bobsled. Two Uh, strikes. There are other winter sports. Ski? Skiing. Yeah. All right, let's see if skiing is on the board. Still no one has won Family Feud. Dude, that is such a hard game. It's a hard game. And it's interesting. Even, you, even in Canada, in you Canada, watch the even harder. You watch the TV show, and um, everybody was is like, so you have the option to play or pass, which means you can your family can try to guess what's on the board, or you can pass it to the other family and make them guess. And if they don't get it in three strikes, you can steal it by just guessing one of the things that is left that they have not guessed yet. Everybody wants to play. No one ever wants to pass. Interesting. And they're so confident that they can do it. And again and again and again, they just can't guess all the answers because it's really hard. <laughs> it's impossible. I um, all right. It out. So do you want to know what the uh, what the answers are at the bottom of this board? Please. I'm dying. So the winter, the winter sport at number five on the board, curling. Curl. Oh. So easy. Yeah. Well, apparently it's not easy. You got a lot of winter sports you can guess. Yeah. And the the last one, the last one, which is well known to anyone who follows trade disputes between the U.S. and Canada, fishermen. Fishermen. Correct. Yeah. I really thought it was bobsled. He's really. I think it's a good guess. Yeah. I I thought it was a good guess. A very respectable performance to get two thirds of the answers. Um, all right, let's talk about USC. You almost were in the class of 2022. What happened? Oh, right. oh my God. It, it was, now I laugh, but it was hard <laughs> because 
uh, I got the offer and then so my husband and I we both got the offer and uh, we told our previous boss that we would left by July uh, so we started doing like the handoff uh, we lived in a a uh, great apartment in Sao Paulo together. We had everything, all the furnish was ours. Uh, so we, we started selling everything. So the apartment, everything we had, we told our previous job that we would left. And then, uh, because I don't know if you remember that, but until late June, and Ain and Dinku, they mentioned that the classes would be in person so they I don't know if you remember it but yeah mid-June uh they they weren't they, they weren't sure but then they said right after that the classes would be in person and we didn't want to do an online class it's first because MBA it's all about the relationship that you build uh the networking uh component of it so we def definitely didn't want to do that uh, remote. So we wait for Dinku's response and we started to get the process going, sold everything. We went back to our, our parents' house because before leaving to the US, we planned to stay there for a while with them. Uh, so, and then, I don't know, July, early July, uh, classes uh, were fully remote. Yeah. And then we had to make a decision to defer or to come and do it, it remotely. And we decided that we didn't want to do it, it remote. Um, so we had to, I had to beg my own, my previous boss to get back to my job. Patrick, who is my husband, he wasn't that fortunate. So he stayed for the, some months uh, unemployed. And then he, uh, thank God he got a other job, uh, like a pre-MBA experience in venture capital. So, uh, but then we had to leave in our Airbnb for one year uh, because we didn't want to get into another rent contract for 12 months and have to buy everything else again. So it was a mess, basically. Yeah. But now you're here. Now here. Now I, I don't regret. It was hard. Um, by back in the day, it was it was hard. Uh, we had to move a lot of uh, things to make it right and just and when you're waiting for someone that big for, for something that big for one year it's a lot it, it's not just a year you know uh, but it was worth it I, I guess the in-person experience is completely different um, we had some break breakouts during our experience here too uh, and we were like freaking out that would everything would come we go remotely again uh but uh gladly everything went fine and we are loving the experience um and totally worth it and you've gotten an internship yes 
That's let's talk news. about it. You're excited to talk about it. When did you get the I internship? Am. Um, after right after our class ended, so okay. late late March. It, it was it was a hustle uh, because I. So when you are an international student, it's th- things are different in terms of employment. So some companies, they don't basically want you as an international student because they, after you graduate, after you do three years of uh, OPT, uh, which is kind of, uh, you are allowed to work in the US after graduation for three years for those who doesn't know what OPT is. So we are talking about enough, we're talking about four years in the timeline ahead and even so like that's a at least a mid to long term right and even so companies they don't they're not willing to sponsor you sponsor your 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 visa after this period so uh you basically have to narrow down your uh job search to uh companies that do sponsor your your visa here Right. Uh, and I wanted to do entertainment since the day one. Uh, that's what I came here for. But I quickly learned that the entertainment industry is very close, especially for internationals. And I have to hedge all my possibilities in my search. So that's how I got into tech, which is basically nowadays entertainment and tech. They overlap a lot. Right. Uh, so the the entertainment issue with internationals right just to give everybody a window the immigration process in the united states is about the most bureaucratic thing that you could possibly imagine it's basically what if your taxes did steroids and just pumped iron every day for a year that's the immigration system right and then entertainment companies are like chaos factories where everything is just in time hiring Everything is by the seat of your pants. Just yesterday, I saw um, that they had to shut down production on Aziz Ansari's movie because of a complaint about Bill Murray's behavior. And so now an entire movie is just instantly frozen because the actor behaved inappropriately on set. So this is like a chaos factory that has to navigate the most precise bureaucratic machine ever constructed by man. Yeah. And they're just like, we're not even going to try to do this. That's so true. That is so true. And honestly, um, when you talk about movie production, it's easier to have someone from the industry already. And since we are in LA, USC has one of the best film schools in the whole world. They uh, they honestly don't bother uh, like opening up the possibilities for recruiting. They basically can find domestic brains and that's it they don't want to play with different stuff you know yeah. so that's how i uh get into tech which is honestly today everything like every streaming service is also tech and they are friendly to internationals they they overlap a lot with entertainment so that's how i started to applying for tech companies as well and fortunately, I got an offer uh, from Roku. Excellent. Yes, I'm so happy. Super, super, super happy. 
in the in the treasury department which is finance too so it's kind of my perfect uh venn diagram you know so uh finance tech and entertainment uh all at the same time uh i'm so i'm super happy i'm so glad. congratulations thank you John. that's awesome news yes so to answer um, your question about my career plans uh from now i honestly hoping to stay in tech entertainment uh from now on and uh see if i like it uh but i'll never close the door yeah and uh, that's not your only success this year. You yeah. also were on the team that won the Everybody's Business Competition. Yes. It was Tell me a, about that. It was a great experience. So for those who are, who are starting now and listening to this, uh, business school is crazy. So aside from academics, you have the recruitment, which is a huge part of it. Uh, and you also have fun case competitions uh, that you apply to and you have to work on a specific prompt. And this one was a prompt from UBS. Um, and we were supposed to come up with a DEI event for them. Uh, but the one thing that I wanted to highlight here, it was the, the experience itself was great because I was working in a, such a diverse uh, group. So me from Brazil, we have we had Kimi from India, uh, Ken from Nigeria, um, Tim and Tim from uh, Australia, and Vicky from um, US. So we have five different people from five different places, which was one of the best experiences that I had here uh, in business school. What amazing. was the what was the prompt in that competition? So this one is specifically, uh, you know that all those big banks they are starting to get more concerned about DEI. So they ask us to come up with an event uh, for um, entrepreneurs uh, from minorities, hmm. and we need we needed to come up to, to this event, like organize everything. Uh, to get them in, into contact to the financial advisors from UBS. So Excellent. we had to come up with the panels, that remote panels, in-person panels, uh, everyone that was involved, uh, the budget, uh, also the ROI for the bank itself. Uh, it was great. It was a very interesting prompt. And as I say, when you're working uh, with people with like a, such a diverse team, you learn so much, so much. And it was incredible. You know, one of your teammates was on the show a couple months ago. Who? Kem. Oh yeah, amazing. Kem was one of my early guests. Amazing, oh, I love Kem. He's, he's an incredible person. Um, and so I, when I did the research, I um, noticed that you had done everybody's business and there was a picture of your team and I saw that Kem was there and I was like, that's wild. What are the odds that I would have interviewed two people on the same business competition team? That is funny. Yes. Uh, well, in my defense, it was this is my fifth case competition because I'm a crazy person. So right. <laughs> the odds are a little higher. <laughs> okay. So that makes it a little higher. But 
I did. I actually did um, when I was not paying attention in a class that I will not say which class it was. <laughs> I actually crunched the numbers. Uh, so I have I've only had eight first years on the show. Right. So I've interviewed three point seven percent of the class mm-hmm. and two point three percent of your class was on your team. Wow. And so I okay. calculated from there, what are the odds that I would pick at of the eight people that I interviewed? What are the odds that they would have both been uh, on the same team? And it's about one half of one tenth of a percent chance that it would happen randomly. Oh, my God, John, you know, the numbers, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so nice. So pretty unlikely. There must be some something about the people on that team that made them interesting enough that people recommended that they be on the show. Because it pretty much, I mean, I don't know that many first years unless people tell me about it, right? Because I'm not in the first year class. And so I go ask people, who do you know among the first years who's interesting, who would be a good podcast guest? You're too nice, John. That's how I, that's how I pick them. As I say, who's interesting and people say this person's interesting. Oh man, you're too nice, John. So it it was definitely not random. You had some interesting people on your team and I also also had a great time working with you uh, in our team. We we had the best work regardless of what the professor said. (laughs) We had a great project and uh, it was especially nice that Marley did most of it for us. (laughs) Yes. Uh, oh, I met her yesterday, by the way, on campus. Yeah. Yeah, she's great too. Um, yeah, she, she came up with a great idea and we basically took a lot of credit for things that she had already done. Um, but yeah, I actually crunched the numbers. It's 0.04% chance that that would have happened randomly, that I would pick two people from the same business competition team. So pretty long odds. I don't know how to calculate the p-value, but I would have if I had known how. But I I only know how to do that in Wen's class when we use Radiant because I actually don't know statistics that well. Yes, same. Um, I I love Radiant. It's the best tool ever. (laughs) All right. So we've talked about uh, your background. We've talked about where you're going next. We've played Family Feud. so that mostly brings us to the end of the show. Uh, John, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you're such a nice person. I had a great time today. And are you excited to graduation? I'm a little bit excited, but I'm a little bit sad because it's going to yes. close a chapter in my life that was a lot of fun, which is coming yes. here. And to think I've really only got one week left. And then there's just the finals period. Wow. One week. Yeah, it's only one week of classes and then it's the Vegas trip and then it's finals. Oh, man, I'm not I'm not ready. I'm not ready to to be a second year and to say goodbye to you, especially. Yeah. Well, Gabriella, thank you so much for being with us today. It was a real pleasure to have you. Pleasure is mine, John. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And by uh, by Gabriella's request, we're going to play you out with the national anthem of Brazil.